Hello and welcome to the Music Matters Media Podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Eric. And it feels so good to be back. We are finally back. We took a small break, but have no fear because we're coming back swinging. We have such a fun episode for you guys today. Today, we are going to be interviewing David Dross from the band No Advisory. They are a punk rock band from Southern California. This is going to be such a great episode. You have no idea. But Eric, as always, we have to announce our top three international. So let's get into it. Top three international listeners of this week. You ready? Ready. Okay. Coming in at number three, we have the United Kingdom. Nice. Making a comeback. Coming in at number two, we have Canada. Very nice. Always happy to see them here. Me too, Eric. Me too. And coming in all the way to take our number one spot this week, we have Australia. Very nice. Well-deserved, guys. Well-deserved. And there you have it. That is our top three for this week, you guys. Number three, we have the UK. Number two, we have Canada. And number one, Australia. But have no fear if you want to make it into our top three next week or any week after that. All you have to do is share this podcast with your friends, with your families, with any loved ones you may have in your life. And we could be shouting you out next. And guys, without any further ado, here is our awesome interview with David Dross from No Advisory. I hope you all enjoy. David, how's it going? I'm Lisa. And I'm Eric. It's going pretty good. How are you doing, Lisa? Welcome to the Music Matters Media Podcast. (laughs) Can you just please introduce yourself for our listeners and tell us your role in the band No Advisory? Yeah, my my name is David Dross, and I am the bass player and one of the vocalists in the ska punk slash pop punk slash punk rock band No Advisory. David, we have so much to talk about today, especially your EP coming out pretty soon, right around the corner, May 16th. Yes, and uh, I hope a lot of people out there get the little reference for that. There's a meaning behind May 16th. There's a secret meaning behind May 16th. Would you like to explain it? if they want to think about it, they can pause now, try and go through some punk rock history and figure it out. So, spoiler, coming on, uh, all it is is just a little homage to Lagwagon. Uh, and their song May 16th. Ah! Flagwagon is one of our many influences that we figured, you know, why not pay a little homage to the Lagwagon dudes and uh, release it on May 16th. Just a little little, uh, little tidbit. We do a lot of hidden things in this band. I really <laughs> like that. You drop little Easter eggs for your fans to pick up on. Oh, yeah, like on album covers and everything like that. <laughs> 
So the band started all the way back in 2006, but there's been numerous lineup changes since then. So can you give us a rundown of how it all started and trace it back all the way back to 2006 up until now of the lineup changes and who is currently in the band? Yeah, um, well, as with any bands that are first starting out, definitely a lot of lineup changes. Like the first couple of years, there was a lot of like, well, you know, I, I kind of just wanted to play music for fun. I'm not serious about it. You know, people leaving, you know, as they get older. But um, the way it started is when I was in high school in 2006, I had a friend, Derek, who came up to me and was like, hey, man, you have a bass, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, come come to this band practice on Saturday. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't play bass. I just have a bass because <laughs> I, I was predominantly a guitarist. And uh, he's like, no, dude, just, just trust me. Just come and follow the rhythm guitar. And the band was called Ash to Embers. And uh, that was uh, Justin, Brian, Derek, and me. And they wanted to come up with a new name. And one of the names I came up with was uh, No Advisory. So they, they liked it. And then we started writing songs under that name. And... Uh, we actually got pretty pretty well known in our little local scene. Uh, at the time, punk rock was pretty big. There was bands like, you know, The Scuffs and uh, Pretty Mess, and then bands like Start the Panic and California Redemption were kind of phasing out at that point. But we kind of got in as that was phasing out, so there was still a scene for it. And the hardcore scene was coming in and kind of pushed the punk rock out of the way. But uh, we went, yeah, we went through a couple different lineup changes um, after that because the the original lineup. Um, obviously you want to keep your band original but it just like wasn't feasible so you know we, we tried some people out and you know people came and went and um right now it's uh hunter jake jordan and myself uh jordan being the most recent member of the band he joined two years ago or something i don't know but anyway the dude shreds on guitar and we work together at a music store so um that's kind of what brought us here today there was like plenty of people you know, I could mention, you know, Zach, you know, was on our first two, you know, actual full-length albums. Um, Matt Weeney uh, was probably one of the longer-running members. Uh, him and I were friends since middle school, and uh, he ended up going more towards the metal direction. So no one had left under any kind of, like, bad will. Everyone just was like, you know, I can't be in a band anymore, or, you know, I, I'm having a kid, or whatever. And, you know, they kind of, like, jumped ship. But, you know, this lineup is pretty solid because we're all spread out over the country and we're still playing and recording <laughs> really so how does that work how does that dynamic work for you guys as a band um it's uh it's kind of weird it's like you know for anybody who's been in any kind of long distance relationship it uh it definitely takes you know dedication determination motivation <laughs> um, to make it work but uh Jake is actually moving to Portland tomorrow from our hometown Simi Valley and Hunter and Jordan are still living there, and then I'm actually um, in a suburb of New Orleans in Louisiana. But our first album, I was actually living in Louisiana at the time before I moved back to California, and then I moved back here again. But it's it's actually pretty cool. I like how it works, actually. It's actually, I think it's better for the writing process because we'll send lyrics back and forth. Like, it'll be either bits and pieces or full songs. And then everybody actually has the time to sit down and look at something and make whatever kind of suggestions they feel fit. And we're sending music back and forth. Because one of the hardest things about being in a band and writing is you have multiple minds, multiple ideas, and multiple instruments. So it's just kind of people 
collaborating and making noise and it can make it kind of difficult to write in a room but that also has its pros obviously being in a room but for us i think it works really well because it gives us that opportunity to say okay well this is a cool riff this is what i have for it or this is a cool riff but i think you should do this and we're not in a room where we can argue it's all over video or text message we actually have a a group chat so it's actually works out pretty well (laughs) So you guys kind of fill in the blanks along the way. Essentially, yeah. Like this this whole EP that we're releasing, we were never in a room together writing or practicing until the day before we recorded. Wow, that's wild. And you said that you came up with the name No Advisory. So is there any backstory behind that or where did you get that from? I was sitting in my room. And I had a notebook, and I was talking to the drummer at the time, Brian, and we were just shooting names back and forth. And I was looking at um, a Take Off Your Pants and Jacket poster that I had on my bedroom wall, and it had the parental advisory sticker on it. And I just remembered being like 12, I was like 11 or 12 or something, and I wanted to go buy, um, I think it was Enema of the State at the time. I wanted to go buy it, but I couldn't buy it because it had the parental advisory sticker on it. <laughs> and I was just really frustrating. And it was not like, oh my God, no advisory. That'd be a great name. It was just like, what if there was no advisory stickers on CDs? And it just kind of was like, remove the first and last words and then no advisory. It worked out and it, and it stuck. And it, it sounds like a name that would be taken. Like I was expecting to go on MySpace. Yeah, MySpace at the time. And just find like, boatloads of no advisories but none to no avail and I love that backstory because personally I am a huge Blink-182 fan and I have seen through my research that you have met both Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge so really quick what was that experience like yeah like growing up in Southern California I, I ran into Mark multiple times and I ran into Tom actually multiple times. I was at, I was on the video shoot for Everything's Magic um, for Angels and Airwaves. So nice. I literally hung out with him all day. I have a voicemail on my phone from Tom DeLong to my mom. <laughs> Get um, out of here. I wish I could like play it while I was on the phone and like show you guys. But um, another fun fact, uh, met Travis a couple times. He's a cool dude. And then the biggest fact ever, I think, is no advisory or parts of no advisory were the first people in 1998 to play a blink 182 song with scott rayner really and there's a video of it on youtube where could people find that if you just go on youtube and type in scott rayner 2017 there's actually a blink 182 fan site that somehow got a hold of the video which is funny because there was about 10 people in the room when it happened and they got the high-quality video and posted it, and it's, like, <laughs> in the, like, multitude of thousands of views. Leave it to Blink fans to track any Blink material or Blink-related material down. Yeah, and the, a little quick backstory with that is we were playing, we were, gonna, we were opening for Scott Rayner's new band, The Wraith, that he's actually not in anymore. Two of the guys in the band showed up, and the promoter didn't show up, and they said, well, if we're not getting paid, we're not playing. And so they said that they were you know, contacting their members, and they were not going to play. And we were bummed, because all we wanted to do was meet Scott Rayner. <laughs> and um, he showed up, and his band did not tell him that they were not playing. So he showed up, and he had all of his gear. Oh, and, man. And no band. And I was like, I should ask Scott Rayner if he wants to jam. 
and I was talking to him, and when, right when I was about to ask, he's like, well, uh, I brought all my gear, like, you want to kind of go jam on some songs or something? And I really wish that I was wearing a diaper, because I totally could have <laughs> crapped myself, and we jammed on some Misfits, some Minor Threat, um, just like old school punk rock, because that's what Scott wanted to play, and as we were wrapping the night up, um, someone, uh, Matt, who was actually uh, one of our old members who was filling in for that show, he, he, he looked at Scott and he's like, I hate to be that guy, but there's one song by one band I think we need to play, and you were <laughs> part of that band, and he, the look he got on his face, it was like kind of like a flattered, but like a nervous look, and he's like, can we play Carousel? And Scott was like, yeah, man. He's like, let's do it. He's like, he's like, I hope I remember it. So we played Carousel with wow. Scott Rayner. Wow. <laughs> that is completely unreal. Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch, legendary albums. Oh, yes. 100%. And he was, and for the record, one of the coolest dudes ever. Like, super modest. Like, like just like down to earth. And, or maybe humble. That's the right word. He's humble, not modest. So <laughs> since you completed the Blink-182 trifecta here i mean you met mark you met tom you even met scott obviously you said you met travis if you had to pick putting you on the spot who do you think was the the coolest interaction that you had i mean it sounds like scott hands down but i think it might have to be that but they're all so unique in a different way it's like mark hoppus let me play his bass and that killed me and tom delong left a voicemail for my mom and then Travis, I made sure his drum tech's car didn't get towed, so he gave me a signed drum head. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if I had to say the best experience, Scott Rayner. Wow. Just because I... he was down to play a Blink song with these guys he just met. It doesn't get any better than that, I don't think. Yeah, I thought I was like, well, this is it. I'm going to get hit by lightning and die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mom voicemail is pretty up there, though, I got to say. It is. And then meeting Mark and, you know, getting to play his bass. And I saw him at a Dodger game, and he took an awkward selfie. That's that's literally what it was. He said it's an awkward selfie, and he pretended to be on the phone while we took a picture together. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like Mark. Sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) So, going back to no advisory, because that is what we're here for. Thank you for letting me geek out over Blink for a hot minute there. If you want to geek out more over Blink later on, I'm down. Like, I'm I'm a book of knowledge on them. It's kind of (laughs) sad. When did you guys get signed to Skate or Die Records, and how do you think that changed the trajectory of the band today? We got signed in, I think it was 2015, by them, and our really good friends in a band called What's Left, it's actually sadly not a band anymore, they got signed by them first, and they dropped our name to Skate or Die, and they contacted us, and... It was, it was just like, it was it was cool having that responsibility kind of attitude in a band because like most of the time you're in the garage, you practice, you play some shows, you record some songs. But now you're like, well, now we have to be thinking about what we're doing for our future. So it kind of brought us a little bit closer because we had to be like, okay, well, do we sign this contract? Do we not sign the contract? No, we got to read this contract, blah, blah, blah. And, um, it kind of it helped us because it it made us more motivated and it relaxed us a little bit more because Skater Die they've been taking you know real good care of us you know they they got our music on Spotify and I know anybody can do that but it's like when you're not a 16 or 18 year old kid anymore and you have like 
job and responsibilities and stuff like that, things can get put on the back burner. So finding that time to, you know, get your music on Spotify, get it on Apple Music and stuff like that, it kind of gets thrown to the wayside. So, you know, they took care of that for us. Uh, we get to keep um, 100% of our sales on music. That's so, a big deal. That is definitely I, a big deal. It's huge. It's, it's, it's giant. And, you know, if we need merch, they said, just send us, send us your, uh, your design. We'll throw it on a shirt. You know, send us your, your wave files for your EP and the artwork and we'll take care of it. And, you know, they take care of us by giving us, you know, hundred percent of our music, you know, and we have free creative control, which is even better. They're not like, Hey, do this for your next song or do this for your next album. It's, you know, do your thing. You know, we trust you. Go about it, and then you know, then they get paid from you know merch sales and stuff like that. So it kind of it helped us relax a lot more because, like I said, like now that we're all in our, <laughs> we range from our early to late twenties, so we don't have to worry about okay, well, who's gonna give us the best deal on putting CDs? Who's gonna give us the best deal? Right. You know, on you know budgeting and marketing and all that stuff. Yeah, they they take care of that and the the owners are one phone call away. Lance, he I I, I can call him anytime and he'll answer. And we at uh, one time half the band had like the worst flu ever and we were supposed to play a show and these people were like literally threatening to like sue us if we didn't play the show. No way. And, yeah, he called and worked whatever like mystical juju he has and um got us out of that debacle. We can't play at that venue anymore. But uh how do you guys go about booking shows? Um, DIY all the way, 100%. And it's one of the most rewarding, but one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that DIY culture, though, that's how you know that it's the real, authentic California punk rock way is DIY. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's DIY, but it's definitely not all me, that's for sure, because, you know... Jake helps with a lot of the booking at times, and we have some really great friends in other states that help us out. Like, you know, little, little shout out to Mike Sword and you know Jacob Slan out in you know Colorado. Those guys have helped us out immensely. And uh, Houston from Houston and the Dirty Rats, he's pointed us in the right direction with a lot of booking and all that. So it's definitely it's a big family. That's that's the only way you're gonna make it in the music industry is having family in other states. What is your favorite part about playing shows, and do you have any advice for up-and-coming bands when it comes to playing live music? Yes, and yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing, it's actually reflected in the lyrics of our song, Garage Days. It's going to be on this EP that's coming out. There's a line where it says, hear the voices in the crowd, it's so loud, yet there's no sound. And it sounds really weird speaking it, not singing it, but... What that represented when I came up with that lyric is before you get on stage, you're nervous, you're sweaty, you know, your, your heart's pounding, you're afraid you're going to screw up the show, you're afraid on how people are going to react, but it's like as soon as I get on stage and I hit that first note and like the sound just blows up, nothing exists, and it's really incredible of a, like a feeling, and like you know how people are like, you know... You know, if you truly find something you love, you're not working. If it's like related to like a job, yes, absolutely. It's kind of like that because I could have like 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 a horrendous thing happening in my life, 
and as soon as I'm playing, it doesn't exist. And I can't explain when it goes away exactly or where it goes, but the only thing that exists is, like, me, you know, my friends on stage with me and the people in the crowd, and people are, like, yelling and screaming in the crowd, and, like, we have people, like, sing along with the song sometimes, and sometimes you don't even hear it. Like, we won't even notice that's happening, and then we'll see a video, and we're like, oh, my God, people were singing songs that we wrote. They're singing it out loud. It's not just us. What the <laughs> hell? How did we miss this? <laughs> that must be an incredible feeling. And would, oh, you, yeah. would you describe it as a rush of adrenaline when you get up on stage? I would, you know, I would say it's the exact opposite. It's euphoric, I think. Because ah. the, the adrenaline is before you get on stage. And I think it fuels you while you're on stage, but being in front of people and performing and taking something that you wrote on a text message and a Google video, and then all of a sudden it's in front of people, it's, 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 it's euphoric and relaxing. You're like, this is it. Like, all this work came down to this 30 minutes of us being on the stage, and it's like, the best 30 minutes ever. So what would you tell your younger self when you guys were first playing shows live, you know, looking back from things that you know now, a tip of advice? I would say avoid as many pay-to-play shows that you can because we have fallen victim to many of those. And some of them paid off. We, we met some cool um, local legends by doing that and ended up getting bigger and better shows, but I'd say be, be weary of the pay-to-play stuff. Um, practice more, I would say that, because when we were, like, between 16 and 20, we thought we were, like, you know, the hottest shit since eating Taco <laughs> Bell last night, you know? And reflecting back and looking at videos and stuff, we were terrible. <laughs> um, so it's about practicing and being a democracy, which is one of the things that's, like, the hardest. Like, everybody needs to have some kind of role in the band. Like, um, the song Walking Catastrophe on this EP, it's it's a smorgasbord, a cornucopia of lyrics that pretty much all of us worked on. Like, we had a, I did a thing where I was like, guys, lyric dump. I, I was trying to write one song a day. You know, I was like, no matter how bad or good a song is, write one song a day. And we're going to dump all the lyrics together and we're going to pull the best ones. And that's essentially how that song came about. <laughs> it's a lyric dump. So you guys were just throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what was going to stick. Yeah, like I, on my phone, I, I probably have about 15 to 25 songs that are done lyrically. And some of them are like, wow, I, I need to save this. And then some are like, this is really embarrassing. No one can ever see these. <laughs> Well, you are about to experience the same feeling of relief when you release your new EP that's coming out May 16th. Can you tell us the name of the EP? Yes, and that's we were specifically waiting for this interview to drop the name. It's gonna, it's actually called "This Is Not a Comeback." I love it. Nice, I love the man. name. And how'd yeah. you guys come up with that name? Uh, Jake came up with that name. Um, we were trying to figure out a bunch of different names and everything. And in all aspects, it is a comeback <laughs> EP, but don't tell anybody that. And uh, but <laughs> It'll be our secret. Be, yeah, we thought it would be funny to call it, you know, this is not a comeback EP because we played a show in December, but the last show before that was April of last year. So we knew there was going to be a big gap in shows and we didn't know where the future of the band was. So 
this whole thing has actually been a very secret process. Like a lot of people didn't even know that we were recording and writing new music and everything. So this EP contains five songs. How many songs did you originally record for the EP and how did you determine which songs made the final cut? Well, we had, I think we had eight or nine songs that we were messing around with because we wanted to do an album. And the whole distance thing kind of slowed us down a bit. And then we also are human, so we procrastinated because the original idea uh, was to record in, uh, in November. And then we ended up recording in February. So we had, we were planning this since August or July. We were planning on doing this. So we just kind of like lost track of time and didn't really write as much as we should have. But um, these five songs were the ones that were complete or at least 95% complete that we knew we could get done in time and learn. And then the other songs that we have, they're kind of just safely put away in a folder somewhere and we're going to end up finishing those. And then our plan, and I hope the guys don't care that I share it, but we are planning on recording an album later this year or early 2020 and actually getting these additional songs put somewhere and then writing more songs and we want to release probably a 12 song album in the next like year and a half to two years this is extremely exciting news this definitely is a comeback <laughs> it is and it's 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 uh it's great because i i consider us the band that won't die because <laughs> back home uh in simi valley the scene has seen many bands come and go and we've seen a lot of friendships break a lot of like bands you know, disappear. Um, I think there's only one band that's been together since, like, the early days of No Advice. It's a band called Cigarettes, and they're like a rockabilly band, but they're cool dudes. <laughs> Why do you think, out of all the bands in the scene that have came and went, that you guys were able to prevail above all else? Oh, man, that's a, that's a hard one. For some reason, people seem to enjoy us, and I don't know why. Like, uh, we... Have had we have people that saw us I think when they were like fifteen and we were like twenty and they are s still a fan of us to this day and I think it might be our energy because we have a really high energy at shows and you know we're like jumping and we're always like making jokes and you know doing like crowd interactions and all kind of things like that and a lot of bands do that but I think. Us, as a band family, have a good charisma, and we work really well off each other, and everyone brings something different. Like, Jordan always takes his shirt off. Hunter <laughs> always takes his shirt off, and they're always fighting on who's going to take their shirt off first. And it's like a little thing that people notice, and then not, not to toot our own horn or caress Hunter's balls or anything, but <laughs> he's a great drummer, and everyone points out how great he is, but he's so, like, zen he doesn't let it get to his head. And anytime it does get to his head, like Jake usually will like slap him or something and like kind of bring him back down to like a human level. But <laughs> people love watching him. So it's like if my vocals are off or like Jake's vocals are off or like the show is like weird, you can always count on watching Hunter. <laughs> so no matter what, you guys leave a long lasting impression. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it, that's how, it's how we've been since day one. Like as soon as I got in a band, I was like, we need to be fun. I was like, nobody wants to like sit in the crowd or stand in a crowd and look at a bunch of guys looking down at their guitars. 
And that's very important. I feel like crowd interaction is one of the most important things during a live show is to make that connection with the people that are listening and trying to support your music. That, and it has to be genuine. That's the big thing. A lot of bands are scripted, and I I hate to, like, bash any band, but I cannot stand watching Real Big Fish anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's so scripted. And it hurts. And I know that they've been a band for like 30 years and it probably gets to that point. But then like when you look at bands like No Effects and stuff like that, every show is different. Like right. they have their like usual scripted things. Like when they play like Army of the Patrol with potato guns and they tell all the jokes in between. Scripted, but you expect it. But the sets are always different. The interactions are always different. It's like, is, is Mike going to be high? Is he going to be drunk? Is he going to be <laughs> sober? Like what, what are we getting tonight? But the interaction is always there, whether it's good or bad, and that's why we love to see no effects. <laughs> so, do you think with some bands that they start out, it starts out as a genuine interaction, but then later on it becomes contrived because they see what works and what doesn't? 100%. Totally works like that, because I think people are like, well, we did this at this show and it worked, so let's do it at every show. And some things will work like that and some things don't because if you do that too much locally people get bored and if you're touring you can't interact with people the same in every state because it's so different in every state like i remember we played a show in houston texas and i was like wait 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 before we start this next song i need to try something and i just like screamed as loud as i could the stars at night and almost everyone did the here in the heart of texas and it was hilarious <laughs> that's amazing what is your favorite part about touring do you get a chance when you tour to actually visit these places and absorb everything that's going on or is it just straight to the stage and you're in and out it's a lot of it is straight to the stage in and out unfortunately but every now and in a while we'll get to go see something so like example on this tour uh, oh yeah, that's the thing. I forget to, that's the announcement number two. We're touring in August. We're announcing that, and obviously, it's called "This Is Not a Comeback Tour." Very exciting so, news. Yes, first, uh, like re- like we've been hinting at it, but this is like the big like here it is like this is really happening. That's the tour name. Um, we're doing San Diego, Phoenix, Albuquerque, Denver, Salt Lake City. In Vegas, possibly two dates in Vegas. We're debating on if we want to do two dates in Vegas or try to do a hometown show. So it's like a little mini Southwest tour to promote the EP. Um, but we're planning this one so we get to see a little bit more. Like we're gonna this tour, we're gonna go to the Grand Canyon and just see it. Why not? It's yeah, better. why not? You gotta go see the Grand Canyon. It's one of those things yeah. to check off the bucket list. Yeah, and then we're going to Salt Lake City. I think we have a day off in Salt Lake City, and, you know, there's Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> That's not something you get to see every day. <laughs> you guys have to promise that you're going to visit New York sometime. Oh, I can't even begin to tell you how much we've talked about doing an East Coast something. Because we've done, obviously, the West. We've done the South, like, kind of dipped, you know, into almost the Midwest. But we've never done anything on the East Coast, ever. So when you do plan to tour on the East Coast, we'll have you back on, and then you can make that announcement. And I, for one, will be very excited about that. Oh, good. Yeah, you'll have to you have to hook us up with some good contacts to get us some shows out there. I got you. I got you. See, there you go. Making family. That's how we do it. 
So going back to this EP, you have five songs on the EP. Do you want to give people a rundown of the titles of these songs, and then we can maybe do a track by track? Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Um, we got a song called Homegrown that we're using to open up the album. Then we have Gaslighting. We have Garage Days. We have Global Calamity and Walking Catastrophe. So what are some topics that you wanted to tackle on this project? good one starting off would be we, we wanted to write about home. That was something we wanted to do. Like All of us were on the same page. of We needed to write something about our hometown. And it, it kind of started off as a joke. Jake was like, hey, I got these lyrics for like a really pop punk song. And it's about, you know, our hometown. And I think it'd be really, like, you know, cool and funny to do a song like that. And uh, we did a cool little uh, writing method with that where Jake wrote the verses and I wrote the chorus. But I specifically told him, don't tell me what your verses are. And I don't want to be influenced at all with the way I write the song other than the topic. And obviously this song is called Homegrown. And then a little Easter egg for that is... One of our influences in a band that we truly enjoy is the band Homegrown, who is unfortunately no longer a band anymore. Jake's choruses, so I had that backwards. He wrote the chorus, I wrote the verses. His chorus is about loving home, and my verses are about being annoyed with home. I love that juxtaposition, though. Yeah, because it's like, if you think about it, I don't know like how many places you've lived or if you've always been you know, up where you're at, but... There's times where you're like, I need to get out of here. I hate that there's not this, and the people do this, and it drives me nuts. Oh, and totally. Then and then when you're away for too long, you're like, man, I just want, you know. I you want start to getting homesick. Food. Yeah, I want this food. I want to be with my friends, and, you know, I want to go, like, hang out at this park that I go, like, chill at to, like, clear my head, like, all that. So I think it's a very, even though it was kind of written as a joke and, like, just to be, like, punny towards our style – it has a lot of meaning behind it, and uh, you heard it, so I don't, maybe you can kind of agree or disagree with that. But I was actually going to say that Homegrown is hands down my favorite track on this EP. It's the most pop-punk track. I love pop-punk, and it's one that definitely stuck out to me, and I'm sure the listeners would love to hear that, which we will be playing it at the end of this episode for them as a treat to help promote the EP. And then following Homegrown, we have Gaslighting, which has to be my second favorite. I was going back and forth between these two as a personal fave. Gaslighting gave me a strong Sum 41 feel on this track because it's pop punk, punk rock, but with a heavier side. So can you talk about Gaslighting? Yes. um, Gaslighting was written musically by Hunter and Jake. So Jake was the master. And Jake has... He comes from like a more of a metal background, so he kind of has that touch on it. Like I said, like when he joined No Advisory in like 2010, I think is what it was. We had to like punkify him, and we have an old T-shirt that says No Advisory on the front. On the back, it says Am I punk yet? And that was for Jake because he'd always be like, Am I punk yet, guys? Am I punk? <laughs> I love that. So a lot of the heavier stuff that you hear from the band is because of Jake, and. A lot of those things are, a lot of those songs are very popular with a lot of people because the, the punk rock and metal community are very similar and close and we play along nicely. Um, but that song, uh, fun fact, and the guy who 
did all the engineering for us, Alex. Thank you, Alex. If he listens to this, he's going to get a real eye-opening experience. We didn't have lyrics for this song until the day we recorded it. No way. <laughs> and we lied and said, oh, man, we need a break. We need to go get some coffee. And so we went to get coffee, and we wrote the lyrics in the parking lot. <laughs> the pressure is on. <laughs> and I've noticed that's how some of the best songs are written. Yeah, like, sometimes the too- best material is written under extreme pressure when you just have to get it done. You have no choice but to do it that or when you just let it flow and that's what we did like we sat there we're like oh my god what do we do and then hunter said uh how about he's like well how about like you know sometimes when you try you just don't really like whatever i can't remember the first lyric for some reason right now but and then after that it just flowed and i was like okay well how about this how about this how about this and then i was like oh my god the chorus i know what we're gonna do and then our friend adam uh adam crawford from the band fred fredberger was there. He's actually going on tour with us. He's going to be like our documentarian. This whole next tour is going to be documented. He threw in some lyrics and everything too. And we looked at it. We're like, okay, cool. This is perfect. Let's, let's go see how it sounds. And then I'm on the same boat as you. It's it, it's hard to decide between that song and another song to like, which one's my favorite because I love it. I love the like, the pop and the anger and the gusto and then yes. the smooth, clean vocal chorus. It's just like, you get a little bit of everything. And that song is, uh, it's just kind of like influenced about people that stress you out and people that take advantage of you and people just make that just make you mad. And gaslighting is actually a term for like a looser definition, essentially when someone will say, well, well this and this and this happened. And you'll be like, well, no, it didn't because there's the proof right there. And like, no, oh, no, no, it totally did. People just kind of keep the lie going constantly to like, mentally abuse you essentially like you know like oh you're doing this no i'm not yeah you are i saw blah blah blah, blah. gaslighting so um perfect name for the song honestly oh yeah yeah i was like oh, gold and it, it popped up on uber facts that's how i found it i was dicking around on uber facts and the term gaslighting came up with the definition and i was like that fits this song so well <laughs> what i love about this ep is you can hear elements of pop punk punk music, heavier-leaning stuff, and even ska. So did you have a direction of where you wanted the music to go on this EP, or it just kind of unfolded that way, track by track? We had a very narrow-minded view on where we wanted it to go, and it was going to be a ska EP. It was everything we were writing was ska. Like Every riff was like a ska-sounding riff. Every chord progression was ska, every lyric you know, it could be a ska song, and we were we were talking, and we we're like, this is going to be a ska album, because this is what it was going to be, an album originally, and not an EP, and we're like, cool, this is going to be our first straightforward ska punk album, and then I don't even know where it took the turn, but all of a sudden it was ska punk, pop punk, punk rock, Yeah. and there was no, hardly any ska on it at all, except for Garage Days, and I think it it's cool how that happens because I think when you have that focus on doing one thing and you're going to go do something completely different, it's it's awesome. It's like the a beautiful accident. It's like my birth. It was a beautiful accident. <laughs> and I love that combination too because it gives something for everybody that's listening. It's not just directly punk or directly heavier leaning stuff. There's something on the CP that everybody could enjoy. And that's like the coolest part, I think, is like you might get the ska kid who hears, you know, 
walking catastrophe and he's like this is too heavy but then he'll hear garage days and be like yeah this is more my style or yes speaking of we got the next track garage days what was the process (laughs) you like that right that segue yeah it's beautiful so what was the process of garage days and the story and meaning behind that song well garage days was uh dubbed ska song 2 for a while and jake and hunter went into the studio and demoed it out and sent it to me and it was just guitar and drums with some woes at the end and i've never considered myself a good bass player a great bass player or even an okay bass player i'm just like a bass player and <laughs> somehow with some songs i can sit down and write things that i never thought i would write and that was this song and I was very happy with how the bass turned out, and I had lyrics for a song already, and it fit the format and structure of Garage Days, and what kind of made this song was the thought of being in a band, the playing in the garage, the hanging out with your friends, the fear, the tiredness, the traveling, almost every lyric has like a story to it like at the end of the chorus when it says you know um, foggy windows blood on the walls at the end of the chorus it's it's just a reference back to being on tour and you know being in colorado and it's it was like 20 degrees and we had those foggy windows had to wait for everything to defrost and then we played a show in san diego and some guy got his nose busted open during our set and the blood like squirted out and got on the ceiling Wow. So not the walls, but that's the little reference to that. <laughs> now that's and, punk rock for you. Right? And a Scott song. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but the song is dedicated to Richard Roos, who was the CEO of Trickfish Amplifications. Um, he actually passed away a little over a year ago, two years ago. And he was the first person ever to record a no advisory song in 2006 in a garage so it has a kind of a double meaning it's about being a band and starting off in a garage but it was also a nod to him for recording us and um when we recorded uh, everyone is stupid he lent us microphones and he let me do some bass tracking there to demo out originally and he was a huge supporter of the band and it was really awesome so so um, you really took it back to the beginning with this song Oh yeah, 100%. It was just like, it was about everybody and everything that we've been through put into however long the song is, like three minutes. (laughs) And that's something that I wanted to mention as well, the production. The production quality on this EP is amazing. I know, it is so weird (laughs) because when Everyone is Stupid came out, we're like, we're never going to sound better than this. And now that we're listening to these unmastered tracks, we're like, this is better than anything else we've done. Everything else is trash. We need to take it off the internet now. Can you believe when you listen back to it that that's you and those are your songs? No, not at all. <laughs> it's really weird because I don't think any of us ever thought, like, I think I think all of us in the band take for granted what we do, 100%, because we have we have a steady band. We won Best Punk Band in our local area in the, in the county. We, we've toured. We've played with bands that influenced us we record we have t-shirts we have stickers we have merch and we get to hang out 
as the dudes and do what we want when we want however we want it and sometimes we need to take that step back and be like wow not a lot of people have this and just enjoy it you said that you've gotten the opportunity to play with some bands that influenced you so can you name some of those and then maybe name a time that really stood out to you that you just took a minute to take a step back and be like wow i cannot believe that moment just happened we oh man we played with 10 foot pole and Dennis, the guitarist and vocalist, was one of the most down-to-earth, nicest dudes. Gave us good advice. We played with CJ Ramon, and that was that was kind of one of those moments where we're like, hold up. He's not an original member, but this guy has played with the remotes. And he was on their last albums, and he was, like, super cool. Like, he was honest about everything. He gave great, great touring advice and just musician advice, and he was not afraid to sit down and just talk with us at the show, and it was incredible. And we've played with Guttermouth a couple times, and both times, for the record, they had to borrow our gear. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that second time playing with them was kind of a real thing, because usually you get those one-off shows once in a while with a big band, but like we're like, we're playing with Guttermouth again, you know, and like... I remember being whatever age I was when Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 came out. Yes. And, and hearing um, I'm Destroying the World by Guttermouth. And I just I fell in love with the song. Tony Hawk, like, especially in the early games, always had the best soundtracks. Right? And it was like, holy crap, Like I'm playing with this band. I never once in my life thought I'd be playing with this band. And... Uh, I think they're more known on the West Coast, but they were really huge back in the 90s. They're called Jughead's Revenge. Um, they did the Snowcore tour, and they were a bigger band than Blink-182 at the time. And Blink-182 was opening for them, and we opened for Jughead's Revenge. And that was kind of a cool little stepping stone. That's definitely a nice notch on the belt. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. And then, you know, we, we played with Good Riddance. And, nice. You know, they played on a lot of different, you know, big tours and you know, like done like all sorts of crazy stuff. I don't know. And it's, it's hard to say what moment stands out, you know, the most. Cause like playing with Agent Orange, that was cool too. Like the show didn't end up being as big as we thought it was going to be, but having that, that ability to be like, Hey, legends, we played with them and we suck. <laughs> Just to have that experience that you can look back on moments like that and then really think to yourself, wow, we literally started from nothing and now we get to play with some of these big names. Yeah, and that's that's really crazy. And it's also like double weird because some of the guys that I played with in bands before I was in No Advisory in high school are now in like giant bands. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I used to play in like a little joke, like fart punk band with Jason Yarger, who's now in the band Honey. And they're like, touring and they're signed to epitaph records now that is insane we just covered honey recently for the music matters media site so what a twist what a twist yeah i used to be in a band with jason yarger their lead vocalist and bass player greg i used used to make fun of his band because he used to be in a hardcore christian band so we'd make jokes at them all the time (laughs) and i don't know if you've heard of the band called bad flower yes yes we also covered them as well I went to high school with Josh and Alex, and I knew Alex when he was in his thrash metal band, and I knew Josh when he was like the arrogant guy telling everybody what to do in high school. <laughs> Such a small world. 
right? The music community is like as vast as it is. It's very small because these guys were playing. They, they just played like Riot Fest and almost Acoustic Christmas. Yep. And they're like blowing up because you know they're playing the right genre at the right time, and they're very talented. That I definitely don't short stick them. They're extremely talented guys, but I'm stubborn and I won't stop playing punk rock. So <laughs> I think I'm kind of stuck where I'm at. So moving on, we have Global Calamity. Yes. Let's yes. talk about that track. It's too long. <laughs> it's too long. It's way too long. <laughs> we already agreed that we're not playing it on the tour. So anybody who likes that song, I'm really sorry. We're not playing it on tour. <laughs> <laughs> um, that song, it was actually a little nod to a band called Agro Mucho, who was in our local area to get signed to Felony Records because I came up with the lyrics and the melody of the lyrics after listening to one of their songs, it's not like duplicating any of their songs, but it was like influenced by their style. And it's just a, a song about the darkness of life, essentially, you know, like people that struggle and the people that, you know, try to like better themselves and it seems like they can. And, you know, the state of the world today and how, depending on how you look at it, could be really really bad and you think we're gonna die tomorrow or you could look at it as we can keep going forward we can keep moving we can better ourselves it's all about or perspective yeah like life is an obstacle or life is a path it depends on how you look at it do you think that you guys have had that mindset throughout the years and that's also part of the reason why your band has lasted for so long probably because we've, we've definitely overcome horrible things <laughs> And we broke up for a little bit, too, um, in 2011. And we broke up from 2011 to late 2013. And I actually just talked to Hunter about this the other day. Because Hunter, great drummer, he plays with whoever he can. But he always says that the best shows are with no advisory and the best writing experiences are with no advisory. And I was like what is it with this band where we can't stop and we can't really put our fingers on it, but you guys have that magic. It might be. It's like, it has to be because we just can't stop. Like most bands, when someone leaves the state and then another person leaves the state, it's done. Like there's no way. And we, I'm out of state. We knew Jake was leaving the state and we're still planning. We're like, this is happening. We're doing this. And, you know, we're planning the next album and, you know, tour and all that kind of stuff. And it's that it, we're literally can't stop, won't stop. Somehow you guys gravitate back towards each other. Every time. And it, like I said, I can't even explain why, but I've tried joining other bands. I've tried, you know, we weren't a band anymore, technically. I tried starting other bands and it, just, it, does, it does not work. It feels forced. And to close this out... The end of the EP, we have Walking Catastrophe, the last song to wrap the whole EP up. Why did you leave this for the last track? Was there any uh, thought going into placement of the EP of where you're going to put which song? Or it's just, here are the songs, this is it, this is the track listing? It's actually been uh, a still ongoing debate on the track listing because... 
I hope this is how it ends up being the final track listing, but Homegrown is for sure going to be first. That's for sure, because of that nice little swell we have at the beginning. Great opener. Um, but Jake and I have been the ones not seeing eye to eye on track listing, and then Jordan and Hunter are kind of just indifferent. That's a funny little pun towards one of our songs called Indifferent. <laughs> hey. And, um, <laughs> but uh, the way that I saw it, Homegrown's a great opener, and... People who've been fans of us for a long time know us as a punk band, like, you know, fast and offensive and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, hey, Gaslighting should definitely be second because it's a nice, like, modern kind of pop punk song to open it. Gaslighting to throw it back to the punk days to give, like, the old school fans what they want to hear. And then when you get to Garage Days, you can kind of feel the evolution coming because um, one of the great things that Jordan brought to this band was his incredible guitar skills like the solo he wrote at the end of garage days he wrote it in like two minutes and in the choruses there's like these little riffs going that you don't even notice they're there but after you hear them you can't unhear them and it's a curse on me now because i hear it every time so it's a nice like evolution i think and then i think walking catastrophe is just a great way to just lump it all together because it has that kind of familiar us punk vibe it has that 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 metal edge that jake brings i love the lyrics on walking catastrophe as well yeah like i i was blown away because like i said that was a lyric dump song and um i believe it was jake that kind of pulled all the lyrics together and he took what he believed would fit the song best and then wrote additional lyrics, and then he brought it to the table, and I was like, I have nothing more to say. That is great. It's gold. It deserves no changes. It's perfect. It's my perfect baby. So, with that being said, what is your personal favorite song from the EP, and why? Oh, man. I, I think I gotta fall back on gaslighting. Yeah, yeah. It's, to me, it's the feel. The, yep. Like I said, it's that nice, that metal buildup, and then that, like, kind of, like, scream growl to build it up that pause with the go screaming in the background and then the drums are just so punchy and it, it pulls you in like i think even if you're not a punk fan and you hear that song you just kind of want to hear where it goes absolutely when it gets to the chorus and it's like clean it's like what is happening like like how did this happen like it, it's angry it's fast and then now there's clean vocals and it's like a halftime feel what why and it's short <laughs> and i think one of the we we were about to be on a record label back in the day called dimwit records they did the punk rock concoction mm-hmm. and the guy who ran everything for them juan he said whenever you have a band that gives you their demo listen to every song start to finish all the way through because so many people listen to one song decide if they like it or not skip and do the same thing about the whole album and i think the great thing about gaslighting is it's a great song to show your friends like if you're like oh i think you'll like this band don't worry the song's like a minute 15 seconds yeah i agree with you that's definitely the standout track on this ep for sure it was close to to taking my number one personal favorite spot but for me it was homegrown purely because of the pop punk feel to it oh man and it's like that, a big part of that is Alex, the guy who engineered. He made that chorus huge. And that chorus is what I think really drives the nail into the pop punk board because 
there's so many harmonies and it's that that that's Jake singing multiple tracks. That's me doing low harmonies. That's our friend Adam doing another harmony in there, and then like all the effects and everything, making it big, like perfect. It's gold. And I was like, when I first heard it, I was like, I did not expect it to sound this good. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap this on up, you have new music right around the corner. May sixteenth will be the release of the This Is Not a Comeback EP followed by a tour in August. Will you guys have new merch out by then? We will. We actually have um, a new design in the works, and then we're also open for anybody listening who has any kind of merch ideas. um, Send them our way, because if we like your idea and the record label likes your idea, you're going to get a free EP. You're going to get free shirt with your design on it stickers whatever kind of merch we have for free because that's the least we can do what is your website and where can people find you on social media to contact you guys and follow you guys for updates uh we have our instagram which is at no advisory and there's also an at no advisory podcast not us (laughs) i think they're also based (laughs) in new york but they're i've kind of like jumped in their live feed once in a while they're pretty cool. They have a lot more followers than us. They're a solid podcast. That's a nice shout-out. That's nice of you to shout them out. Yeah, you know, check them out. You know, like, if you search us, you're going to get them. So you also <laughs> show them some love, too. Maybe find a new podcast you like. I love it. I love <laughs> and, uh, it. You know, we have the No Advisory handle on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash No Advisory. We no longer have a website because Facebook, Instagram are the best ways to go for music promotion. And then we also have our band camp noadvisory.bandcamp.com where you can find our new EP when it releases. You can find our old stuff, most of it. And uh, most of our videos on YouTube, just search No Advisory Band, No Advisory Punk, No Advisory Live. Um, The best videos are the things that other people put up. So you can go watch some of our previous live shows and go to the Skater Die Records website because that's where our merch will be and that's where physical copies of our cd will also be um we're also going to have that merch and physical copies on tour as well as well as new printed copies of everyone is stupid available on tour perfect so people can go to noadvisory.bandcamp.com and or skater die records to buy a physical copy and to download and stream the new ep Yep, it's going to be on Spotify and Apple Music, and I think it's even going to be on the Google Plays as well. I don't know what the kids are listening to these days. (laughs) Sounds amazing to me. And before we let you go, as you know, we are Music Matters Media, so I have to know, why does music matter to you? Music matters to me because it is a way to escape, whether you're playing or listening. Because, like I said, my feeling of escape is being on the stage, and some people, their means of escape is being in that pit, being sweaty, bruised, battered, bleeding, and screaming so hard that your voice hurts the next day. Because no matter who you are and what you're doing, music is an escape. I strongly, strongly support that sentiment. Music definitely is an escape. Thank you so much for coming on today and chatting with us about your new EP. Thank you for having me, and thank you for doing what you do. And I have a question for you. What brought you guys on to do this to help all the bands out? Because I noticed you guys help out 
smaller bands and you guys promote big bands and everything. So like what brought you to do this instead of playing or writing and stuff like that? I have always had a passion for getting involved with music in any capacity. So I started out as a journalist and I used to do sports journalism and things like that. And then I slowly started heading into music journalism and that's really where I found my niche because I was trying to figure out, okay, what can I do that I know that I'm good at but it needs to be something that I'm very much passionate about. And I found that cross between with music journalism, and I haven't turned back since. There you go. Look at that. Music matters in many different ways. That it does. David, thank you so much for coming on. You are always welcome to come back on to promote anything that you have coming up. You have a huge year ahead of you for 2019, and it sounds like for 2020 as well. So we will definitely be looking out for you guys. And we will be playing Homegrown next. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. And the guys send their hellos and their thank yous as well. And we will be in touch. And we will try to get you some cool physical merchandise sent your way as we get it in as well as a thank you for helping us out. Sounds great, David. I would love that. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Well, there you have it, you guys. That was our interview with David Dross, the bassist and co-vocals for the punk rock band No Advisory. What an awesome dude. He had so many great stories to tell. So much great advice was dropped in this episode for upcoming bands that are listening out there. So I'm very excited about that. And overall, this was one of the most fun interviews that I've ever had. So shout out to David when he listens to this. Thank you so much once again for coming on. Greatly appreciated. And I just want to say, David, you are an amazing bass player. Don't ever doubt that. You are just all over the place on that bass. You're always fantastic on every album you're on. So you're awesome. In fact, with the current lineup, all of the members of this band are truly phenomenal. Such a talented group of guys here. And I cannot wait for you all to hear their new EP coming out. It's coming out May 16th, if you haven't heard by now. And it is called This Is Not A Comeback, followed by a tour in August. Make sure to go give these guys a follow on social media for constant updates and tour dates as well. If you enjoyed our interview with David, then make sure you go show these guys a lot of love and support. And for those who stuck around to the end, first of all, thank you. And second of all, you are in for a treat because we have a new song from No Advisory called Homegrown. We spoke about it earlier and we are about to premiere it for the first time. So here we go. Here is Homegrown by No Advisory. Yourself. Try not to become someone